If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. And this is episode 123. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host. Later on in the podcast, digital editor Alex talks to Ting Li, chef at Xi'an Chinese restaurant Murga Han Han, about the wonders of Biang Biang noodles. But first, I caught up with editor Laura to talk about the winners of our first ever Olive Chef Awards and how hard it is to make that final call when the competition is so strong. Let's have a listen. Okay, so I'm here with editor Laura. Hi, Laura. Hello. <laughs> and we are talking about the Chef Awards because the results are in and the winners have been announced. I know. I'm very, very excited. I'm so pleased that we're finally at this place. It was kind of a long time coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a long process even getting from uh, finding out what everybody had nominated for on the website yeah. to then doing the shortlist and then doing the judging and, yeah. and then finding our winner. So, yeah, I'm very pleased to say that in the October issue of Olive, we finally got, <laughs> finally got our winners and very worthy winners they are too. They are. And um, one of the things I wanted to talk was the judging process because um, because I said to you before, when you told me how you were going to judge it, I thought you were absolutely <laughs> bonkers because it was, it was pretty intensive. It was. It was a lot of, um, it was, it was a lot of work, yeah. but it was really important to me that if we were going to do these awards yeah. that one they be genuine and authentic because if, if people are taking the time to nominate for their chefs around the country it's only right that we do those people and the chefs justice by going to visit yeah. them find out their stories um so it meant a lot of traveling for myself and yeah. the other judges <laughs> esteemed judges um but for me it was so so important that we got to mm. meet them and talk to them and, and see their food in context their restaurant and their business in context um yeah. And it made a real difference. And then when everybody came back and, you know, we've all written our reports and we discussed who was going to be the winner, yeah. it made it a lot easier because, you know, we were really passionate about who we thought should yeah. win. So, <laughs> so um, you had so you had four people, was it four people on each shortlist? So, yeah, let me go, oh, yeah. let's have a look at our shortlist now. So yeah. I think it was around four or five. There were some that were slightly yeah. more. Um, and a really good mix as well. I mean, kudos to the Olive readers because they just 
had they to... came out and nominated, didn't they? Wow. They really showed up. They really showed up. Yeah. And, like, they are really passionate about the people of their area. So, you know, it could have been easy just to go for the people that we know mm-hmm. and love um, in in the area um, that, that you live. But we found some places that we'd never even heard of before. And I thought yeah. I knew everything, you know. I'm a right <laughs> smart aleck when it comes to chefs and restaurants. But even I discovered some new places. So, you know, we had everywhere from, like, a little... Uh, restaurant in the middle of the Lake District, yeah. seemingly in the middle of nowhere. A, a chef doing, which we'll talk about hopefully in a minute because he's just amazing, a chef who runs a, a charity business in yeah. Liverpool yeah. who I'd never heard of, doing incredible things mm. that he got so many nominations and clearly quite rightly once we'd been to see him and, and saw what he was up to. Um, so, yeah, we had to travel all around the country. Yeah. Um, we'd whittled it down to these four or five uh, we had our four judges, so myself, the editor of Olive. I've yeah. been restaurant reviewing for well over a decade. Um, I used to be based in the West Country, so that's kind of my old patch, right, but yeah. I'm so greedy and hungry that I know every... <laughs> I feel like I know every restaurant everywhere now. Um, and then we also had uh, Mark Taylor, who he writes our, our restaurant features. Well, yeah, he's great. He's just great. He yeah. he uh, works on a lot of the, the restaurant guides that are around. Yeah. He writes restaurant reviews in the West Country and obviously all of our restaurant content now for Olive. Um, and then we have Listy Cloak, who probably doesn't need an introduction because she's just no. ace. But she um, <laughs> she writes for the Guardian. Guardian regularly, yeah. Yeah, so she she tends to do. She might be most famous for her recipe column and her books that come out, but she does brilliant restaurant reviews she does as really well. Good ones, yeah. She's so invested in the restaurant scene and, mm. and just gets what good food is. Yeah. Um, and a brilliant journalist. And then we obviously had Clark and Wildboy, um, who's shrouded in mystery Super. because he's yeah <laughs> he's a, a brilliant Instagrammer, but he's you know. I'd like to think of him as an Instagrammer with integrity. Yeah. He really, really knows his stuff. He's not just doing it for the likes or no. for whatever. And he, he kind of ploughs his own furrow, doesn't he? He goes out and finds stuff 100%. all on his own. Yeah, yeah he's not he's not um, pushed into doing things for free no. meals, which, you know, some people might be, but he definitely <laughs> definitely isn't like that. And, you know, he's done some incredible work with Cook for Syria campaign yeah, and stuff. So great. brilliant judges. Yeah. And then the judging process was that I had to get basically all of our judges across all of the country. Um, <laughs> by any means by possible. By any means possible, by hook or by crook or by plane or by boat. Um, so, yeah, so... During the summer, uh, which was a nightmare just logistically, with everybody going <laughs> I remember on holiday. A lot of swearing coming from yeah, your desk. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we went out and about. Yeah. So I spent a good few days in Cornwall, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, one day I'd be going to a really swanky fine dining restaurant focusing only on fish, which was amazing. Um, to the next day, turning up in a car park in the in Cornish Mizzle um, <laughs> uh, and trying seafood and pork out of a van, amazing. which was really great. Um, I should just say everybody on the shortlist really deserved to be on the shortlist too. Yeah. It was such a hard job know, judging I, everybody. That's why I just can't <laughs> understand how you managed to whittle it no. down. Well, we had... Um, so really important for me was that when we went to to each place yeah got to speak to the the chef themselves um and okay. meet them and so not just eat the food you actually chatted through no. their vision and what they wanted exactly. to do and, you yeah. know i if i was there i wanted to go see in their kitchen i wanted to know about their days off i wanted to know about their you know how long they've been working there where they've worked before yeah what's the inspiration for this dish where's you know what farm do you use where do you forage your ingredients yeah. like I want to know everything. They were really put on the spot. They really they? were. They were interrogated <laughs> by us. Um, I don't think any other awards goes that far into it. No. I mean, not to the point where you get a personal... <laughs> you know, maybe like Michelin, but they come undercover, don't they? Yeah. And they, well, but that, yeah. That's, Michelin is very different because yeah. they do go and have these meals incognito and it's just about the food. It's yeah. not even about... 
the the setting or the staff or, or yeah. the chef. It's just about the food. And for me, the whole point of the awards was to get to know these people, to show that they are human beings, to show their passion, their drive. Like that's the most favourite bit of my job is when I get to meet these extremely Amazing. passionate people. Yeah. Like I feed off <laughs> it. I hope that I get a little bit better at my job just by meeting people like this. But um, so yeah, when we each went out, so we got their story met them, figured out what they were doing, tasted their food, mm. which obviously was still really important, but that was another part of it. And then we we scored everything. So we scored, each of the judges scored everything on, on uh, taste, obviously. That's yeah. important as a food and appearance of the food. But then also they got a score relevant to their category. Okay. So, for example, the Community Champion Award, they'd get a score on how involved and how important right. they were to their yeah, community. Yeah, yeah. Um, and same with... Um, sustainability or whether that be uh entrepreneurialism or whatever it might be kind of um they got that kind of extra sort of the baking score is about texture as well or originality or authenticity um so it's really important that they kind of ticked every box in their category and it wasn't just that i'd had a great meal somewhere it was that they'd really fulfilled the brief of that category um, so they were really laid bare like everything nowhere to hide yeah and you know Lots of people cook really great food, but yeah. the whole point of these awards were to really identify people excelling in their field in yeah. certain areas. And I think we've really managed to do that because we had such great people yeah. to choose from. And you can tell because in the October issue, we've got a write-up of all the winners. When you read the write-ups, you're like, oh my God, these people are living, they're living their food every day. You know, 100%. they're not just turning up and phoning it in. They're... No, exactly. This isn't, the, you know, they're not just creating pretty dishes to put no. on Instagram or to, you know, to win an not to win an award, you know. Yeah. So it was really, really hard to choose the winners. You know, every single person I met, I felt, like, invested yeah. in their business. <laughs> um, but, like, I'm going to talk about him now because he probably had the most effect on yeah. us. I know, I was well enough <laughs> with this guy. This was our community champion, yeah. wasn't it? If you so, read it, you're like, oh, yeah. something in my throat. And, and this is exactly why we said yeah. it was. So Tony, Evian, Tony Evans, I should say, yeah. of Can Cook um, in Liverpool. So... When I set up the awards, I, I did think it would kind of just be restaurant chefs maybe or street food chefs. But Tony, um, he left the world of restaurants, yeah. right? And he he decided to help out at a children's centre, start a community cafe mm. there. Um, he's basically just giving back. And you'd think, all right, that sounds great. But he started teaching people how to cook. Yeah. So his like his impact on his community goes so far beyond that one interaction that he has with those people in that area um and it's not kind of all bells and whistles and beautiful food or cooking with foie gras or no. cooking with lobster which again once you have amazing ingredients yeah. like that it's really it, he's, he's like, it's relatively easy to produce yeah. nice food when you have great luxury ingredients in a you know in a top hotel but when you're on the ground you're you're interacting and working with people that have, mm. you know, learning disabilities or you're um, he economically vulnerable. With, yeah, elderly and yeah. very young people as well. Yeah. A lot of the time when people just fall out of, you know, you're, you're, you're very old and you haven't got access yeah. to anything and you or ingredients and you can't get out of the house or whatever. And he's just, he's kind of saving lives on a he daily really basis. Is. And, you know, it really goes back to how beautiful uh, thing food is and like how much joy it can bring people um and not just in again fancy restaurants Mm. where you're having a gorgeous meal with your mates and drinking loads of Mm. wine he's yeah he's helping people and saving people and that interaction he has with them will then carry on in their home and it's it is literal community work you know it's social work it's it's everything with food as a 
with as a hook. Because um, what I really liked about him is he he's constantly coming up with new initiatives. Mm. Like he's just started a project called Holiday Hunger, which provides um, in the summer just gone 700 meals a day for children who might not otherwise get a proper meal which because is just because they get their it? meals at school, mm. you know, and they get their their free school dinner. And when they're on the holidays and their parents aren't putting anything together for them because they're at work or, you know, they they don't get anything yeah. or they'll just get like crisps or a snack or something. So the fact that he's, he's doing that and that's a new initiative and trying to roll that out yeah. as well, it's kind of yeah, he's, so um, admirable. So admirable. And so he, he's been doing this for 11 years and he's trained 13,000 people. I know, it's crazy. Like, just for the reach alone, he yeah. deserved this award because the amount of people he's touched and helped um, through his work. But yeah, he's just... He's just amazing. And it's that old thing, isn't it, where you can you can give someone a free meal yeah. or or you can teach them how to cook yeah. their food from scratch and then every day or every other day they can maybe pull something together and feed themselves and their families. Well, so. that's the thing, and, and hopefully then that will drip down, right? Yeah. So if he teaches somebody to cook, they might teach their... Uh, child yeah. or their sister or their mother yeah. and it, it, it's, it's given people effect. the tools to do the job yeah which is yeah and yeah it, the we couldn't even tell all of his story within <laughs> that feature but when yeah, I got it's the, too big yeah, yeah. It, he really made me sort of well up and he just he so so deserves this award yeah so, so people I'm should sure. definitely go and check out can cook in, yeah. in liverpool um look it up online and hopefully we'll get to catch up with them at some point definitely definitely we're going to try and do lots of things with all the winners have we yeah. got time to talk about anyone else or? yeah yeah we can <laughs> um should we talk about sustainable because that was the one that got the most entries wasn't it yeah. and i think it's a really fascinating and you, and you couldn't decide and this decide. one you failed to pick a winner <laughs> um and actually all of the shortlisted people in this category were so strong yeah, yeah we had um ben in cornwall who was doing really great things for his community you know cornwall's a, a, a really yeah it's a touristy place so in outside of the tourist season it's really hard Absolutely, but yeah. he's making a sustainable business with people working throughout the year for a fair wage yeah. feeding at a fair price um and you know you have um sat baines up in nottingham who cooks these incredible you know two michelin star food absolute pro- without doubt probably one of the best mm. meals of my entire life and he considers every aspect of his business so mm really strong contenders yeah. and yet I still couldn't decide <laughs> so there's there's two winners for this one mm. but both are very very different yeah and very both, different in their approach to things but both yeah, worthy both totally worthy and, and I implore our listeners to, to check <laughs> these places out and hopefully we'll get to again to do some events and stuff mm. with these guys later in the year but so first of all we've got Brad Carter yeah. of Carters of Mosley um in Birmingham um, one, he's just a brilliant character, and he's, he's got a strong beard game. <laughs> he's got a really strong beard game, but he's um, he's not hip. You know, he's no, not a he's hipster not, at all. This is a, a genuine man, beard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, his restaurant's really cool. Again, like seemingly just just an everyday restaurant. Yeah. But then you know, the minute you sit down, uh, uh, they were like, "Oh, what would you like to drink? Gin and tonic." So they bring out a gin and tonic. Mm. He's had that gin distilled with um, you know uh, British. Uh, botanicals botanicals and he's that he distilled. selected and, yeah and yeah. he's had it distilled specifically for him um i soon realized that they don't have i think i don't know the exact statistic but basically let's say 99 percent of their ingredients are all british and mm. often heritage or lost ingredients wow. so you're not going to find lemon you're not going to find anything like that oh, so, so you, do, you, you just won't use the no if you can't get a hold of no. it so yeah. in my gin and tonic i had uh, a, a 
fir, like off of a tree. Oh, pine, the Douglas fir. Douglas the pine, fir. Yeah. And he tells me, oh, it's actually got a really citrusy flavour when yeah. you taste it. And, and yes, it, it does. And then he also, um, later on, there's another dish on the menu where you might want a lime flavour. And he's found calamansi limes that are grown in Leamington Spa or somewhere oh, ridiculous. You know. Which are similar to kaffir limes yeah. that you get in Thailand. And wow. You're just like, you are clever. And yeah. he's, again, supporting farmers and local businesses that mm. are doing something really interesting. When I first got there, he wasn't there because he was on his allotment picking some stuff. Um, every single dish on the menu was incredible. Like the dish that's pictured in the magazine, um, it's a scallop dish and yeah. there's charcoal and cream. It's like a yin and yang of um, it, charcoal and white, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was amazing. And then when I found out about the story of that, it was inspired by... He'd cooked something on Saturday Kitchen because he's starting to get a bit better known. Yeah. And... Um, it was something like he'd cook something over charcoal and he was like, well, that's a waste of the charcoal because that's I've just used that once now. And so that's oh, wow. how that dish evolved and that he made it then a charcoal oil to put on the dish, which Amazing. then enhanced it even further. So he's totally against so, waste yeah. and all of the ingredients are really exciting, you know, often forgotten or underused ingredients in, you know, he brews his own kombucha. He's got a beer that he works with with a local brewery. When he showed me in his kitchen, he had all meats hanging up everywhere, um, <laughs> curing. He's got like a barbecue at the back and he recycles everything. And that, uh, like attention to detail must drive him insane. His, I, you can like, see kind of the cogs whirring yeah. constantly in his brain, but the food was but it, And it just shows on the plate great. as well. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, not just the food, you know, the tea, the kombucha, just the gin Every single bit of your meal is so thought well through. through. Yeah. yeah, and um, the staff are great. He's great. It, he just really gets it. Um, so, yeah, love him. Brilliant. Then the other winner. Oh, yeah, the other guy is. <laughs> the other guy um, who, seriously, I, when I um, I was at the Michelin launch the other day yeah. and I was talking about this award to some fellow chefs and they said to me, if he hadn't have won, we would have been angry. Really? Because, because he's... Yeah. Because he's so, he's pioneering. Yeah. But he's doing it again in a slightly different way to how Brad um, yeah. approaches sustainability. So Brad does the whole uh, British ingredients, mm. lost heritage ingredients. Doug McMaster of Silo okay. in Brighton. And he also has a restaurant called Cub in London. Um, it's everything. Like, there is no way. He used to work in Australia and he found this concept called, like, zero waste. Mm. The, way, the way he does that is he doesn't have bins in his kitchen. I know, kitchen. I read that and I was like, I, I like, don't understand how that like, works. How does that work? <laughs> but he doesn't. It means that you have to use everything. You have to use everything. And, like, even the tables are made of, like, recycled yoghurt pots and right. the plates are made of something, recyc like, recycled plastic bags. Wow. And... Every single... He doesn't have any waste. He Everything is recycled. But it's not like... I mean this in a nice way. It's not like hippie, like, scratchy hemp sacks on the chairs. No. This is, like, still really exciting, mm. fine dining, you know, casual fine dining, but really exciting food, flavours you've not tried before, textures you've not tried before, colours you've not seen before. And, you know, the crockery is stunning and really cool, but it's made out so of recycled plastic yeah. bags. But it's also, like, looking at a... A, a thing and saying how because I think there's a, a thing here where he makes it as a, a black currant with potato skin and fennel mm. flowers so potato skin that would naturally be chucked away yeah. once you peel the potato so it's kind of looking at every single ingredient and thinking how can I use every bit of this yeah. and then and then you know if the potato's in the main then the potato skin goes in the dessert or it's, it's, and it like it's clearly sparked something super yeah. creative inside him because you know how does one 
decide that you're mm. going to make potato in one dish and then potato skins in a dessert. <laughs> you know, he's fermenting, he's pickling, he's curing, yeah, those things he's that, dehydrating, yeah. he's doing all those things to make the most out of those ingredients. And extend the life of yeah. things as well, so you can kind of pickle your carrot tops. Yeah, super, super. And he's great. got a book coming out as well, hasn't he? He has, so that's called, it's out this month actually, it's called Silo, the Zero Waste Blueprint. Blueprint. And again, the book's just really it's not your straight recipe book. It's no. super cool. And I've seen a few, um, Clark and Mel boy who went to visit them. He sent me some pictures on his phone <laughs> yeah. of, of the book. And Doug's got all these incredible, like infographic drawings. Again, the way his mind must work is... God, I love it though. And also like, you know, you might not be able to do the whole thing, but the amount of inspiration that chefs can get, totally. or we can get from that, from reading it, I'm really excited about totally. seeing that. Um, and yeah, hopefully that book will extend mm. and have the ripple effect out again. So yeah, I mean, they're just a few of our winners. And well, should we quickly talk about yes. one more? Because um, it was... Um, Luckily, we had a great sponsor this year, Dark Horse yes. Wines. So yeah. we made a special award we for did. them. Well, kind of integrating them. Yeah, I mean, Dark Horse Wine, they're all about kind of finding, you know, the underdog of wine yeah. that might not be the lesser known wines. And so this felt like a really natural fit. We wanted to do like an, an underdog um, who might not necessarily get recognised yeah. or a bit under the radar. But under so the radar, yeah. The Dark Horse Wine Award this year went to Luke French of Joro yeah. in Sheffield. Which sounds crazy place, <laughs> which is in shipping containers on yeah. an industrial estate in Sheffield. Yeah. So you might well walk past that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it sounds ridiculous saying it, but it's a Scandi Jap mashup. Okay. Whatever that means. So it's, um yeah, Mark says in his piece, you know, that... It's, it sums up exactly what he does, yeah. but it's not a throwaway comment, you know. No. It's, um, it's Because he touches on those kind of flavours and he's really and experimenting well. with techniques. Yeah, yeah 100%. So um, there's lots of Yorkshire produce there, yeah. but treated in this really, like... Yeah. Esoteric way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's got kind of... Um, at the time when we visited, he had new season peas cooked nice. in lamb fat, dotted with a pesto of mint and local Yorkshire fettle yeah. cheese, pea shoots and a mint jam or tender. Amazing. <laughs> it is. I mean, I think the only way you can really understand is to go. But here, here's another one. We've got tender, juicy Moss Valley pork neck, barbecued and glazed with a rich, mm. sticky, homemade. I'm not going to be able to say this right. Yuck, yuck in... Yakiniki. Yakiniki. Yeah, that's sauce, right. Yeah. That one. Where it's made from sake, mirin, sugar, rice, vinegar, soy sauce, miso, and katsu ibushi. Wow. And, and then Scottish king scallops, brined and cured in elderflower vinegar, sliced and served with grated horseradish, samphire, pickled elderflowers, and grated I smoked mean, scallop roe. Incredible. And it, there is that. And it, like it shouldn't work. Yeah. But it, it does. There is kind of correlation between Scandinavian Japanese or the way that they yeah. use a lot of like raw and you know um delicate flowers yeah. and things like that so it's kind of it, it feels like they're both quite gentle cuisines yeah. you know pretty and yeah kind very of, delicate yeah. and refined and elegant um but, but and I think he's such a worthy winner of that particular award because it's it's kind of I'm trying to say what it is but I can't say what it is so which really is why everybody like, needs yeah. to go try it and yeah. Mark was so passionate when he came back yeah. from here he's like this guy has got to win yeah um and he'd been on our radar for a little while and we yeah. knew that sort of people were saying really great things about him. So, But again, so, I mean, so that's the reason why we started the awards in the first place was just to give these people a shout out and, yeah. and give them a bit more of a platform to like show what they were doing. And to show you that, you, you know, there are some incredible restaurants mm. in London and some of our winners were based in London, but you have some really great places on your doorstep, guys. All over the place. All over yeah. the country <laughs> and, you know... 
yes, it seemed like a long way for us to travel, mm. but I would travel 100% tomorrow going back to these places. Yeah. And, yeah, they are just such worthy winners, and I'm so pleased that we got the chance to, to meet them, Great. find out their stories, and share them. Yeah, and they're all in the October issue, which is out now. Um, and also, if people want to go onto olivemagazine.com, there's the, the shortlist, all worth investigating as well, all yeah. brilliant people that got onto the shortlist. Yeah, they're so. all very, very worthy people on there. Yeah. And, you know, if I could have made them all winners, I definitely would have oh. done. But there's there's recipes from these chefs. Yeah. There's restaurant, you know, more detailed restaurant recommendations definitely, from us. Yeah. Um, there's podcasts with podcasts some of these guys. People, yeah. um, so really do have a look at that kind of Chef Ward Hub and, and get stuck in because there's some great stuff yeah, in there. Great and I really love everybody to get to know them more because... Yeah. They deserve to yeah. kind of be visited. Feeling proud. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> All thank right. you. Thank you very much. Cheers, Janine. Hello, it's Alex here, and I'm at Murga Han Han, a Xi'an Chinese restaurant in Mayfair that specialises in Biang Biang noodles and Murga. So we'll learn a bit more about those in a bit. But I'm chatting to manager Ting Li about these unique noodles and Xi'an cuisine in general. So hello, Ting. You're hello. Right? Hi. Um, can you tell us a bit about the story behind the, the belt noodles? Because um, that's what they're also known as as well, isn't it? Yes. Well, Biang Biang noodles, belt noodles, actually the same thing. Um, it's just different names. Bian Bian gets its name from the making of it. You know, when you actually bian the noodles on the counter, that's where the sound is from. That's oh, so why like we bang, call bang, bang. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> belt noodles because it looks like, you know, in olden days, we don't use fabric. Uh, we use fabric belts. That's why it got its name. Ah, uh, so Long, it looks like a fabric. Yeah, like fabric. a fabric belt. Cool. And so how were they, um, how did they come about then? Like. Well, to be honest, we had such a long history about these noodles, so no one can actually tell you the date when they were invented. And especially in Shanxi province, we don't grow rice, so only wheat. Ah. So pretty much all the food you can see in the restaurant are made by like uh, wheat flours. Only we only got one dish, which is rice noodle. But you, we don't, uh -huh. we definitely don't have rice in the restaurant. We don't serve rice dishes because a lot of people would st very stereotypically, of course, would think yes. that you would. Yes. Yeah. Ah, is there a reason? Is there just is it just because of the the land? Yeah, that land is just not suitable for rice. Ah, and they so they're quite unique, aren't they? Like um, how they're made, the biang biang noodles or yes. the noodles. Yeah, Can you tell us a bit more about. They are hand-pulled, so not like pasta, you know, everything made by machine. Uh, with Ben Ben noodles, everything from the mixing, you know, you mix the flowers with salt and water. They're all simple ingredients, but you, may, you roll it into a sausage dough and then you pull it. So, so you pull it <clears throat> you so it's hand just really, really to long. really long to 12 foot. So that's why it's so special. Like, no one else doing it. Like, I don't see any other country or any other cuisine doing the same dishes. No. Yeah. And then, and then what do you do once you pull the dough out? Then you slap it on the... What's the biang yeah. biang part the, of it? Yeah, <laughs> you just... After you, you you roll it and then you just biang it on the counter, you will hear loads of biang biang. <laughs> so I suppose in the Xi'an region, like, you can hear... Yeah, well, like, all, all if it's lunchtime or dinner time, if you walk, like, past houses, you probably will hear them a lot. <laughs> yeah. 
they're, they're, uh, they're really long, aren't they? How, how long is the longest yeah. one you've ever made? I think it's about 12 foot. Wow. Yeah. And is that, what is, what's the standard length in like the restaurant? Well, standard, at least eight foot long. Plasmanac. Yeah. And do you get, so is it served like in the, as a whole or a uh, whole noodle? Yeah, whole noodle. So you kind of twist it into a bowl. Yes. And you, it's not a good thing when you actually cut it. It's not a good thing. No, no. it's not. So apparently, well, that's what my parents told me. In Xi'an, when, in Shanxi, when we have long noodles, uh, when people cook you a long noodle, that means they, they wish you long live. Oh, so it's like represents longevity. Because yeah. I know in, um, in Chinese, um, Chinese New Year, um, yeah. you eat like long noodles. To long noodles and birthday. Ah, okay, of course. Yeah, so like they, they are good wishes. Ah. In the Chinese, we do have so many things reference something, you know, good blessing. Yeah. It's the same thing. So you don't supposed to cut it at all. Ah, so, yeah, because it's like cutting your life short. Yes. Oh, <laughs> let's not go into that too much. <laughs> um, so what do you serve the noodles with then? Well, we do different toppings. Um, since we are a family-run business, mm. so we're trying to bring all the family ingredients, like authentic, you know, home food to everyone. So that's why we do, like, egg tomato sauce, um, which is popular among ladies and children because it's not spicy at all. Okay. And then we do the chili oil one, but of of course you can go to go for the non-spicy version. But since it got loads of garlic, ginger, and spring mm. onion in there, so it's a really strong taste. Not much people like. I wouldn't say not much people accept it, but it 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 is quite intense for some people, mm. and especially children, they don't like the taste of it. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's too strong and spicy because yeah. I personally find like ginger quite spicy as well. So it just depends on everyone's taste. Or you can go for the beef topping. Oh, yeah, that's what I had. And no, then, no, no, I you had, had pork. you actually had the three-in-one. The three-in-one is the three was one. pork. Yeah. Yes. But it did taste, it was so um, like crisp and unctuous. It almost tasted like crispy chili beef. You know, it's got yeah. had that texture. Because like all toppings, like apart from the chili, all toppings we have to pre-make. Mm. And for the pork and beef toppings, it, it, it does take a few hours to cook. Mm. So that's why the texture, the flavours are in there. And what are the traditional um, toppings? So how would you, what are the flavours in Xi'an cuisine? Are there, is there particular spices that you use or? Yeah, the, the, because we actually do grow our own chilies, um, our own peppers in Shanxi. So we, the, the taste, it just, I wouldn't say that much unique because if you're not into spicy food, you can't really tell. No. But um, it does bring out certain the smell of it when you when you cook it, like especially with our um, chili oil topping. So chili oil topping. So basically, we heat up the oil and you pour it onto the ginger, garlic, and spring onions and chili powder. It brings out the flavor in there. Mm, so what what is the unique element and the flavor of the the Xi'an? chilies are they like particularly sweet or no they smoky they, or? they're quite smoky but mm. they're not 
as hot as the Sichuan ones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because Sichuan is very, yes. very hot. I'm, yeah. I struggle to eat Sichuan food. And it, it does have that surgeon scent in there. It just smells great. And, mm. you know, it, it just gives you appetite. You just want to dig into it. Mm. And since it's not so hot, so most people can actually take it. And what other ingredients do you use a lot in Xi'an cooking? Well, to be honest, I would say the number one thing we do is wheat, um, wheat flour. Mm-hmm. We do like pancakes, noodles, bread, everything with it. Yes. And there are dishes like people, like apart from people from Xi'an would never know. So that's why we bring it out here so people can try it. Yeah, it's because it's really unique, isn't it? Because I, yeah. I actually don't know if I've ever had it before. So it's yeah. nice to, to try something a bit different. Because also you have something very unique called the Murga. Yes. You. Can you tell our uh, listeners about that? Okay, so basically Murga, Murga the word, we invented it. It's like, because we call um, flatbread more in in. In Xi'an. More. More. Okay. And then, because burger, it's it, it just, people call it, like, it, it's Chinese burger. So that's why we combined more and burger into one ah, word yeah. as burger. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so now people know what, <clears throat> sorry, so people know what it is. It's like the oldest sandwich or burger on this planet, I would say, because it's actually that's been... A claim. <laughs> it's actually been proved Wow. Yeah, because I saw this document. They they found one in like an old tomb. Oh, I see. So yeah. it's like officially the oldest yeah. one that they've ever found. Yeah. Ah. So it's so quite it's the first ever sandwich. Very yes. cool. And can how how is this uh, unique? Because um, I think it's the way we're cooking it. Like we do cook the meat over six hours. And we do leave it in the juice to marinate overnight. So the next day, you know, when we heat it up again, it's just so soft and tender, all the mm. flavour in there, the juice. So it's almost like a pulled pork, but even softer, isn't it? It's yes. almost melts. Yes. And it's quite tightly packed together. Because um, we chop it up. So mm. you won't have a big chunk of meat no. in there. Um, we, cho- we chopped it and... With we we do pour a little bit of the sauce the juice into the meat, so that's why it's so juicy. Mm. Yeah, it's very juicy. And then the the bread is really it's like chewy in a good way. Um, yeah, it's how a, is that? It's like almost like a pitta. That's yes, what, that's yeah. how I would but describe it's, it. It's more crispy than mm. a pizza. And how do you how do you make that? Well, still it's just. Um, <coughs> sorry. Excuse me. It's just um, simple ingredients, you know, same like the noodle dough, just wheat, a little bit of salt and water. Um, but this one does have yeast in there, so it can go up a little. Mm-hmm. And you just need to cook it um, with like hot stone. Yeah, is it has that kind of, yeah. um, it's almost grilled, but it's like a hot, yeah, hot yeah. plate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit similar, like how you actually cook pizza. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it goes bigger. Mm-hmm. But since we need that crispy on the outside and soft inside, so we need to double cook it on both sides. Mm. It's, yeah, it's really, really good. And the, tricky, and the trick is you have to do it freshly. Otherwise, you don't have that 
crispy taste on yeah, it. Yeah, because otherwise it's just going to go a bit moist and wet, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Lovely. Um, are there any <laughs> other um, dishes in the Xi'an cuisine is, like specialises in? Is there any other yeah, we typical dishes? Yeah, we do a lot, actually. Um, as you can see, pretty much everything on our menu are from Xi'an. Mm. That's what we are specialised in. Um, people always come here for try the cold rice noodle they're not like cold cold they're room temperature but we don't serve them whole so we we tell people it's cold rice noodle um that's a really really popular dish um also because it's vegetarian as well oh, well yum. i would say vegan so oh, okay yeah so it's just really popular that's good to know because a lot of people <coughs> associate chinese food with like it's quite hard for vegetarians um yeah. Because there's a lot of different meats and different cuts and yeah. it's quite meat heavy, isn't it? True. Um, because we do healthy food. Like I told you, it's like a family food. Mm -hmm. So loads of our dishes are actually um, vegan friendly. And since we do have a really big population of Muslim people in Shanxi. Mm -hmm. So that's why we use more beef and lamb than rather than pork. I see, yeah. Yeah, and is it is it halal? Well, unfortunately, not halal because no. we do serve pork in the same kitchen. But in the Xi'an region, a in lot of it. Yes, yeah. yes. Ah, interesting. Well, I I would love to like learn more about the the cuisine, but we actually don't have enough time. So, um, if anybody wants to come and try slurping up the biang biang noodles and try the Xi'an cuisine, then uh, do come along to it's at Murga Han Han on Sackville Street in Mayfair. Um, but yeah, until then, I will maybe go and try another Murga because they were really really good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you liked this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our October issue on the newsstand now with all of that Chef Awards info, or you can go and download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. 